0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 736. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 736. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. Ooh, I'm excited for today. We're digging into one of my favorite topics. So, I'm probably not supposed to have favorite episodes. Like, you know, you're not supposed to have a favorite child, but I have 736 episodes and I might have a favorite. So, not talking about interviews and not talking about favorite guests today. Although I might have a few of those too, but one of my all-time favorite episodes to record, one of my favorite solo episodes was an episode I did a couple of years ago called Mom Guilt is a Lie. And I'll link to it in the show notes so you can go back and listen to it. But it was a really fantastic episode. And I remember it was one of those episodes when I was recording it. I had like goosebumps the whole time. I was like, this is a good one. Like, This is what the people need to hear. And it got a great response. People really loved it. It's still a highly downloaded episode. So the reason that I loved talking about mom guilt as a lie and recognizing an honoring that mom guilt is a lie is for a few different reasons. So first of all, I pointed out to you that the mom guilt that you feel is very real, but it comes from a massive lie fed to you by the patriarchy, which I'll explain more about that in a minute. Secondly, in making clear to you where your mom guilt comes from, I knew that many of you would be able to release that grip that mom guilt has had on you over the years. And finally, I knew that if you could see mom guilt as a myth, which it is, you could also become someone who questions other culturally ingrained messages for moms, liberating you not only yourself from the constant marginalization of moms, but hopefully so many other moms around you, where you could see that there is this culture of creating mom guilt and instilling guilt in moms. And that that leads to our marginalization. It leads to us being discriminated against in the workplace. It leads to us being underestimated and underrepresented and left out of all sorts of conversations. It leads to us being paid less and not having childcare access, not having like all of the things, right? You can tell. I'm excited. We're diving deep real fast today. So let me just first go back and talk a little bit about what I mean when I say mom guilt is a lie, because we're going to dig in today about how your mom guilt is harming you. Because I know that even in knowing that it's a lie and even understanding that you're probably still struggling with harm that comes from this social construct. So when I talk about mom guilt, I talk about mom guilt as a social construct. So like I said, when you feel guilty every day, that's very real if you are someone who experiences that. So a lot of moms who I talk to, and I've actually experienced this a number of times myself, I'm human just like you, a lot of moms I talk to say, when I'm at work, I feel guilty about mothering, and when I'm mothering, I feel guilty about my work. And so that can look like a lot of different things. You might also feel that like if you're doing something for fun, like if I'm having a girls weekend away, I feel guilty for leaving my kids. But when I'm with my kids, like all I want to do is go be with my friends. And then I feel guilty about that. So this can look like a lot of different things in terms of how mom guilt shows up for us. But the reason that it shows up for us is because we have been culturally conditioned to think in certain ways that make us feel horrible. So we are told, and this comes from questions that are like leading questions and messages that are asked and mentioned to us in often kind and loving ways early on in our motherhood journey. So questions like when you go back to work after having a baby, like, oh, do you miss your baby so much? And how's your mom guilt? And like leading questions where you're like. You might love being back at work, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to love it too much. I'm supposed to really miss my baby. I remember one of my really close friends had her first baby. She had taken 12 weeks off for maternity leave, which was the maximum she could take off. And after eight weeks, she was like dying to go back to work. So she actually went back to work earlier than expected because she was struggling In taking care of her baby. Like, she was just like, I felt, she felt like she had lost this huge piece of herself. She loves her work. She missed her work. She was so successful in her work. And so many of you know, like, when you have that first baby, there's like, You don't ever feel, like no day in newborn land are you like, today was a really successful day. Every day feels like just surviving it and getting through it. So she missed going to work and feeling like I can check off some things on a to-do list and feel like I did them really well today. So she ended up going back to work early. Now, you know that that's not common, right? And you know that when, if you're someone who's gone back to work after maternity leave, that you have probably had a lot of feelings and emotions about it. And then that feelings, those feelings and emotions are mirrored to you when you're in those moments when people are asking you, like, don't you miss the baby? And maybe you have to go on a business trip. And people say, well, who's taking care of the baby, acting like... A partner maybe wouldn't be an equal caregiver. So there's these questions and suggestions and assumptions that are made that lead to us feeling bad about the choices that we make. So I know that I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And when I say stay-at-home, I was gonna have to be working. I had my gym, but my gym was pretty much self-sustaining in terms of the fact that like I didn't need to be on site. So I wanted to be home with my baby all day. And I was going to just like do my work when Vinny would nap, and it would just be so great and lovely and easy and peaceful. And that did not happen at all. And what I found was the reality is probably all of you know, is that he didn't nap for three to four hours stints at a time when I could sit down and actually get work done. He napped for like 20 minutes at a time, sometimes. And there was a lot of screaming and feeding and diapering in between that. And I couldn't actually ever complete a task. And within the first couple months, I was like, this is horrible. This is not what I thought it was going to be like. And this is not what I want to do. But We had spent years trying to get to this point, years of infertility trying to get to the point that we would have this child. And I had spent years building my business so strategically so that I could be in this space to stay home and take care of him that it felt very weird and like unethical and inappropriate to then be like, well, we're in a position where I could be with this child 24-7 and this is exactly what we set our lives up to be. And actually, I think I wanna do something different. And I had to sit with that for quite a while and ultimately recognize that I was dying inside by not being able to show up and be in my gifts every day. And so we ended up hiring a nanny. We were in a really fortunate position to be able to bring a nanny in for a few hours a day. And I got to get to work. And I got to complete a few things every day, working in my gifts that made me feel like a human being again. And it was life-giving. Now, it was also incredibly hard. That first week that Katie was in our house, our nanny's name was Katie and she was such a beloved member of our family for the years that she worked with us and the years beyond that as well. So I remember that first week or so, I would be in the basement working in my husband's office and Vinny would be up on the main floor with Katie and I could just hear him crying the whole time. And it was like my whole entire body was like being torn in half. And I would make myself stay downstairs for like two-hour chunks, and then I would go upstairs and nurse him and come back down and like start the cycle all over again. And it was absolute torture. I had a child who really struggled with separation until he was probably, uh, gosh, like into like the second grade.
1: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
0: So this was really, really hard. And also, I knew it was the thing that had to be done. What's interesting about it is that while I felt guilt around it, I didn't feel like it was wrong. I knew enough to know that I need this separation for survival. And while it was really hard, I knew that it was the right thing instinctually, but I had a lot of guilt around it because I could hear my baby crying and it was a really uncomfortable transition. And while I was so close by, which probably did not help, by the way, for me to be so close by, I'm like not necessarily recommending this protocol, but while I was so close by and could make sure like I could hear that he was safe throughout the day and everything, It was really, really complicated in terms of how I felt about it, and that transition was a really hard season of mothering, but I also did not allow myself to be consumed by guilt. So I read this article in preparation for today's interview that I thought was so, or not interview, but episode that I thought was so interesting talking about mom guilt. So I'll link to this article in the show notes. It's an article from Today's Parent. And the article was titled, Why Mom Guilt is the Biggest Lie of All. And I was like, oh, someone else is talking about this. What is she going to say? Or what are they going to say? So I opened up the article and the beginning of the article talks about this woman coming home from school when she was, I want to say like, middle school age and coming home from school and watching like coming home, no one's in the house and she comes home and it's like her time to shine. She's getting her snacks. She's getting on the couch and she's watching The People's Court. And I was dying listening to this or reading this article because I was like, oh my gosh, this was like the way that my family lived growing up was my mom worked at the school that we went to, which was about 20 to 30 minutes away from our house. And so every day at the end of the school day, we would go to meet her in our classroom and she would drive us home, oftentimes sitting in traffic. My sister and I usually both fell asleep in the car on the way home. And then we would come in the house. My mom would go in and she would pretty immediately like go and she would either get dinner started or she would go and do some schoolwork. She was so she would have to grade papers and do lesson planning and things that teachers do that we don't know. But by the way, the invisible labor of teachers, like things that teachers do every single day to take care of our children. So she would go do schoolwork in our living room and my sister and I would get our snacks and get on the couch and we would watch The Young and the Restless. So we would get our Doritos, by the way, like let's just really complete this picture. Our Doritos and craft Singles in which I would tear my craft Singles into like 12 or 16 little squares. And then I would put each little square on a Dorito and I would have that as my snack with a glass of Nestle quick chocolate milk. And then we would move the couch as close as we could to the TV and VCR because the remote control that we had plugged into the VCR and had like a three foot cord So if you were born between 1975 and 1985, you know, like, this is what your first remote control looked like. It was actually attached to your device. So we would move the couch. We would like push the couch up to the TV because we wanted that remote control because we would record The Young and the Restless, which aired every day on Channel 7 at 11 a.m. And we would come home and watch it at four o'clock. And we wanted to fast forward through the commercials. So we'd get our snacks, we'd push the couch up to the TV as close as we could, we would get our remote control ready, get a cozy blanket, and we would watch The Young and the Restless. I don't think my mom ever felt guilty about the fact that her children, who were like, I don't know, sixth grade and third grade, came home and were watching the young and the restless, like watching soap operas, eating Doritos, eating Kraft singles and drinking Nestle quick. Like it just this was just like what happened in our household. And I think my mom felt some guilt around things because she was a single mom and hustled her buns off to make things work. But this was just like what kids did after school. Like They went home and they ate some like Oscar Mayer bologna and some junk food and they watched some TV that their parents were not really overseeing. And this is just how it was done. So I loved in this article how she gave this example because I thought, oh my gosh, like mom guilt was not a thing back then. And parenting just looked so differently. And there was assumptions that like, yeah, like mom has to get things done. Mom's busy doing this, that, or the other thing for the household or making dinner. Or in my mom's case, she was doing her teaching stuff in the living room. And this is just how it worked. Now, over the years, there's been a lot of different conditioning around what motherhood should look like when you have a mom who is a working parent. And all the layers of how we should feel about that and how you should feel guilty. So we feel guilty because we're told we should feel guilty. So here's the thing. All moms feel mom guilt. So this was the other great thing in this article is that there was research done on a large group of moms and mom guilt is universal. Everyone feels it. So what's so wild is that we're all feeling guilty for not being enough, but no one actually feels enough. Like there's not actually a goal to strive for because this is the thing about social constructs. There's not actually a goal to strive for because no one has actually like (laughs) reached the finish line. We all feel it. No one has actually achieved them to be outside of this social construct. Now I'm being like super general here. I know that mom feel guilt in different ways and in different capacities. And you might be like, yeah, I don't really feel mom guilt. But this idea that we, when I talk about mom guilt, I'm talking about the ways that we might have an inner critic, the ways that we might be hard on ourselves about certain things, the way that we might always feel like we're never quite doing enough, whether it is in parenting or in work or in supporting other people or in volunteering at the school or in showing up in the community or in caregiving a parent, like all those different things. Like that's all part of the social construct. So When I frame it in that way, I hope that you can see kind of how universally relatable it is. So when we look at mom guilt in that way, we can identify that we all feel this. There's no way out of it except for us to universally recognize we have been fed this social construct. We've been conditioned through little things over the course of decades that we allow to make us feel a certain way. And then we behave a certain way. So we have to remember that our thoughts lead to beliefs and feelings and then actions and then outcomes. So if I take the thought, like I didn't do enough to support my child today, then that becomes a feeling. What are the feelings? I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling some regret or some resentment. I'm feeling like unqualified. That's going to lead to action. So I'm either going to be like in Oftentimes you're in inaction where you're just paralyzed, like, I don't even know what to do next because I'm so consumed by these negative feelings. Or you might be like, okay, I don't know what to do next. So I'm going to go numb with alcohol or watching binge watching TV. Or maybe you're feeling all those feelings and you lose it on your partner. You're like, dude, you don't show up for anything. Like, here's all the things I'm doing and feeling. And maybe you get into some big fight about something. And then what are the outcomes from those actions or inaction, if that's the case for you? What's the outcome of that? You probably wake up the next day and you do the same thing. Like you become, you get in this really vicious cycle of repeating the same behavior. So if you could change the thought to, well, mom guilt is a lie, then the feelings around that are going to be, instead of feeling that guilt, I'm going to instead feel strong and capable that I'm never going to get done everything I want to get done in a day. So what are the things I'm going to do today that are going to allow me to connect with my kid for 10 minutes? What are the things that I'm going to do today that allow me to be in my gifts and my work for however long I need to, to work on some sort of project. What is the thing I'm going to do tonight that at home that's fun, that just allows me to experience some joy? If those are my thoughts, and my, then that leads to feelings of feeling empowered and capable and ready and worthy. Then my actions, you can see how my actions are going to be so different. So I'm going to do something that's just for me. I'm going to connect with my kid in a certain way. I'm going to accomplish something that feels good at work. And what's the outcome of that? oh my gosh, a healthier relationship with my kid, going to bed at night, feeling like I did something for myself, feeling some joy and feeling like I'm getting up the next morning, like yesterday, but I won the day yesterday and I'm going to do it again today. So you can see how that trajectory is really, really different based on what the thoughts that you're allowing into your
2: head.
1: Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks.
0: So let's talk about the three ways that your mom guilt is harming you. So this is not an exhaustive list. And as I was working through this and thinking through this, I was able to come up with these three, but I know there's more. So if you think of more, like, please... Find me, connect with me, email me at info at Find me on Instagram at shamelessmomacademy. Like I love hearing your feedback, especially on topics like this. And sometimes those, your feedback like informs a whole nother episode. So I'm always excited to hear from you. So when I sat down and thought about how is our connection to the social construct harming us, I came up with three different things. So the first thing is that your mom guilt is allowing you to stay in a social construct that's based on a lie. Why does that matter? So I am hoping that if you know that you're like upholding a social construct that's a lie, that you will conscientiously choose not to do that anymore. Because when you stay in that social construct that upholds that lie, you are holding yourself back, obviously. You're also holding back other people. So if you're engaging in the lie and you're talking to other moms about all your mom guilt, you're telling them that mom guilt is real. So what if instead... You acknowledge that this is a social construct that I am no longer willing to uphold. And you change your conversation around those feelings that you have at the end of the day when you feel like you didn't give enough to your kid and enough to your work. What if you could change how you talk to other people about that so that you're not upholding mom guilt as a social construct, but instead you are acknowledging the truth that, oh, today I got a lot done at work, but... Uh, I didn't connect with my kid the way I want to. So tomorrow I made sure that like, I told him like, we're going to drive to school together, just you and me, we're going to talk or we're going to play our favorite songs together or whatever the thing is. And you did something to combat that rather than just staying stuck on a social construct. And how would that then inspire other moms around you to do the same thing? How would they say? And I see this all the time when I talk to other moms, when we, especially moms who have kids with a similar temperament to my child, I'll say, oh, this is the thing that I do when like, I feel like this thing falls apart. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, that's great. I'm going to try that too. So you can inspire other moms to work out of this lie too, out of this social construct. So that's the first way that your mom guilt is harming you. When you uphold the construct, you hold yourself back, which impacts your relationship with your family for sure. But you also are upholding the social construct for other moms, because I'm assuming you're talking to other moms just like I do. And we get caught up in these same conversations, right, where we're circling around the same things over and over again, sometimes not realizing that we're upholding beliefs, and constructs that are harmful that have been created by the patriarchy because it works for them. It keeps them in power. It keeps them able to create policy. It keeps us feeling down and behaving like we are less than when we are treated like we are less than. So the second way that your mom guilt is harming you is that it's taking up your precious emotional energy. So if we are stuck in this social construct, that is created by the patriarchy, that allows for the patriarchy. And when I say the patriarchy, that's not like every single male in the world, but it is the males who create policy that inform culture and all of those kinds of things. When you uphold social constructs created by the patriarchy to keep them in power and keep us disempowered, you spend all of this emotional energy spinning within that construct. And when you spend all of that energy spinning in that construct, spending your whole drive home every day feeling inadequate and feeling frustrated and feeling defeated, that precious energy goes to the, con- the social construct instead of going to overcoming the social construct or rewriting the script, rewriting the narrative, deciding that you are going to have different thoughts that lead to different actions and outcomes in order to create a different story for yourself and different outcomes for you, for yourself as a mom, for yourself as a woman, for yourself as a leader, and inspiring and showing others how that can be done. So our energy, time and energy are finite resources. When you give your emotional energy to mom guilt and all the ways that you feel inadequate on any given day or all the ways that you feel like you don't have enough time to be a good enough parent, the cost of that is being a better parent. (laughs) The cost of that is putting energy into doing the things that make you feel great about yourself, the things that allow you to shine, the things that allow you to show up for your kid. And those can be really, really little things. I just had a situation with this a week ago, I was super overwhelmed by a bunch of different deadlines that were on my plate. And we were also in the process of like kind of doing a bunch of fun things as a family, which is great. But our calendars have just been (laughs) really, really full lately. And so we were trying to transition between activities. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we I took Vinny on two different weekend trips in a row, which were fantastic. They were like extended Christmas gifts, like things he got for Christmas, experiences that he got for Christmas that involved us traveling on the weekend. And when we got back from one of them, we... I stupidly was like, okay, let's try to make it from the airport to baseball practice at like 7.30 PM on a Monday night. Really bad call on my part. So while we're trying to like rush him from the airport, get his baseball gear, get back in the car, me get him to practice. All I'm thinking is like, we have no groceries. I'm behind on this work stuff. Like I'm thinking of all these things that are like not working. And he's getting all upset about his baseball shoes and like how the he can't get them tied right and they don't fit right and the laces are too tight or too loose or whatever. Like the things with kids and shoes, right? It's like never ending drama. I got super frustrated with him and I didn't yell at him, but the tone of voice that I spoke to him in and my choice of words, like immediately I had regret. And I was I was like, oh my gosh, like this is not how I want to end this really fun weekend that we had. This isn't how I want to kick off a new week. I immediately spiraled into this like guilt and shame where I thought like, oh, I can't just like be in the moment of fun. I'm like back in this like hardcore mom mode. And I just showed up as like the worst version of myself. And that's not who I ever want to be. And this had happened like five days prior, where I had done it something similar. And I was like, oh, he's gonna think that like, this is the mom that I'm becoming that like, when he's frustrated with something that I match that energy. And so I was immediately like, maybe I'm becoming a worse mom, maybe I'm becoming a bad mom, maybe I wasn't meant to parent a 10 year old, like maybe this is just too much. Maybe I'm going to make him feel bad about himself. He said to me, when it happened a couple weeks ago, he was like, I feel like you're being a bully to me. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, that's such a horrendous thing for him to feel. But also like the last thing I would ever want to do in order to make my kid feel that way. And so when I snapped at him again, (laughs) a few early a week ago, I was just like, oh my God, like, I just am not doing this right. And I went into this big spiral about it. And then I was like, how do I apologize properly? Because I already apologized the first time. And now he's going to think that that was like not a good apology and not a truthful ap- apology because I did it again so quickly. And so this was taking up all this energy. And I realized that in sitting in all that energy, I was instead ignoring the option to just go make the repair And move forward. And so I had to, instead of spiraling around, like, I'm not a good mom and I've booked us too much and we have too many things going on and I'm not good at managing my own energy when I feel overwhelmed and blah, 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 blah. Instead of going there, instead to say, like, okay, Vinny, let's talk about this on the way to school tomorrow morning or okay, let's take 10 minutes. I just wanna make it really, really clear that that's not how I wanna show up as a mom. And so You can see how my energy could go in one of two ways, right? I can sit there and spiral, or I can decide I'm not going to sit in the spiral. I'm not going to sit here and determine that like this is the moment where I just decide I am not a good mom of a 10-year-old, and then I feel guilty about that for the next, whatever, three years until he's a full-fledged teenager. Instead, I'm going to quickly flip the script and have a different thought about the direction I want this to go, so that we can do something productive in this space, rather than sitting in guilt. And that's what I had to do. And that's what I ended up doing. And everything's all good and fine. And that's not to say I'm never going to snap at my kid again, because I'm sure I will. But that was a much more productive use of my energy. So when we think about emotional energy, and energy being finite, how are you going to choose to use the precious emotional energy that you have, And if you choose to dedicate it to mom guilt, then what will the outcomes be? And then the third way that mom guilt is harming you is that it is limiting what you see as fair, just, and possible. So it is limiting what you see as fair because when we... I want to talk about reciprocation here and I'm laughing because when we are at our worst with mom guilt often is when we think that we have to repay everyone. Who helps us? So, an example of this someone says, Hey, I'll take the kids to soccer practice on Monday. And you're like, Okay, great. I'll pick them up. Or I'll take them on Wednesday. Or like, we immediately think that like anytime someone does anything to, for us, that we have to reciprocate to the exact same degree. Now, one of the things I was raised with was this mentality that my mom did not want to ask people to do things because she thought that she would always have to reciprocate. And she was Always like a little uncomfortable with, okay, if this person does this thing that I can't do, then I have to repay them in this like really grand way because it's a big thing. Now to the person, they might think that the thing is really little because it's something that they're really good at. So an example might be my computer broke down and now I have to get like a friend who's good in tech to come over and help me with my computer. That seems like a huge favor to ask because for the person who doesn't know anything about tech, it seems impossible. For the person who knows a lot about tech, they're like, yeah, sure, cool, no problem. It'll take me five minutes. It's like so not a big deal. But if you're the person who doesn't know anything about tech, you're like, okay, like I have to make them like three dinners and two batches of cookies and give them a gift card to Amazon to like repay them for fixing my computer, right? So when you are in this space of thinking that you always have to repay someone to keep things quote unquote fair and even, you are staying stuck in mom guilt. You're not allowing someone to just do something kind for you and move on from it and be like grateful and gracious and let that be the moment. Let the gratitude be the repayment because... I'm going to assume that you're a human being doing the best that you can. And when you have the opportunity to either reciprocate, you will, or the opportunity to pay it forward and do that for someone else who can't reciprocate to you, you will do that. The second part of this is that it's limiting what you see as just. So you're so busy trying to keep things fair and reciprocal that you're not invested in growing in various capacities. So when we try to keep everything fair we might be missing this bigger picture of what is just. So an example of this is that there is a, Vinny's has a close friend whose mom is an anesthesiologist and she runs her own business as an anesthesiologist. And as a result of this, she often can't do sports drop-offs and things like that. So I will always say like, hey, Wednesdays, baseball, I got it. I'll get the kids. I don't mind at all. And I'm never looking for her to be like, I'll pay you back in a certain way. Because you know what I'm thinking, what's just in the situation is that this woman is going and building a clinical practice as a female anesthesiologist. Hell yes to that. I will drive a kid to baseball every freaking day of the week if another woman can go build a business. That is just. When you are so consumed in mom guilt and you can't see past like how you need to reciprocate and how everything needs to be fair and equal and all these things, sometimes you're missing this bigger picture of justice in terms of how can we show up for each other and build a world where more of us are leaders. If I can show up with a flexible schedule and be the person that drives a kid to practice one day a week, I'm on it. So don't overlook where that sense of justice is getting derailed because you're so stuck in this construct put out toward you by the patriarchy. And then the last piece is that you are limiting what you see as possible. So you're so consumed with your mom guilt that you're not seeing what is right beyond your broken mindset. You're not able to see past your broken mindset of mom guilt to see what is truly possible beyond this vicious cycle of negative self-talk. What would you do with the power and energy that you dedicate to mom guilt if you could harness it and use it towards something else? If you could dedicate it Toward building a business. Toward going after promotion. Toward writing a book. Toward starting a podcast. Toward leading the PTA. Toward building your own clinical practice. Toward being a leader in your community. Toward organizing a grassroots organization. Or starting a nonprofit Or like any of these things. So the three ways, again, that your mom builds is harming you is it's allowing you to stay stuck in a social construct that's based on a lie. It's taking up precious emotional energy. And it's limiting what you see as fair, just, and possible. And then that determines the actions that you take and the outcomes that you have in the world. So We covered a ton today in this episode, a ton, and I talk fast. So please listen again. (laughs) If this was resonating, if there were times you're like, hold on, I got to rewind that and get that sentence again. I want to write it down. I need to put it on a post-it. Listen in again and please share this episode out. There was a lot in here that I know so many mamas need to hear. And as we are working together to build a bigger army of shameless moms, every time you share the content in this podcast, it allows another mom to see through a different lens, to hear a different perspective, and hopefully go out there and reflect that perspective out in the world in a way that creates more space and more power and more liberation for all shameless moms. So thank you for being here. And I will be back on Wednesday with a fantastic interview.